episode 13 of the Great Escape Minute, the daily podcast where we dig into the Great Escape one minute at a time. I'm Tom. And I'm Rob. I am John from Dirty Harry Minute. Thanks for having me again, guys, for Minute 13. (laughs) Welcome back, John. Welcome back for another day of the Great Escape. Another warm day. (laughs) I'm happy to oblige and sorry for stuffing up. (laughs) Uh, no, I'm a, I'm okay with it. We'll let know, it. I'm, I'm for, we'll let it slide this time. I'm, I'm all for improv, John. Don't worry about it. Yes, and so minute thirteen starts with Virgil going to observe the fence from well, probably forty feet away, leaning against a building, and mm. it ends with Sedgwick saying, "What are you doing with my coat, mate?" And I am not about to try to impersonate his impersonation of an Australian accent. No one wants to hear that. So <laughs> he's all over the place. He's a bit. Um, I suppose he makes the 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 rookie mistake of approximating like the Dick Van Dyke accent and sort of hoping that's going to be an Australian accent that will go down, but um, doesn't quite work. Although the first line's not so bad. What are you doing with my coat, mate? But then it goes downhill. <laughs> well, before we get into that, you know, we get the last few seconds of what we were talking about yesterday with McQueen just going to observe the fence and the guards at a distance and see what's going on. But then we get Willie and Danny, and they see a group of what appears to be Russians. Well, and Danny calls them Russians. How does Danny know that they're Russians, and how does Danny know what they're role is in this camp they've been there for eight minutes <laughs> well first of all he's he's polish so he he knows who the russians are know your enemies yeah <laughs> <laughs> maybe he recognizes the wardrobe but again maybe maybe there they've been maybe he's been in other prison camps where they had the russian you know uh soldiers come to to, to do the type of work that they're giving them to do i mean basically what we find out in this, uh, do we find this out today or maybe tomorrow? That the reason that they're there is to chop down trees. Right. That out, Danny says, you know, Will, or um, Willie asks Danny, oh, are they, do they basically do they stay here? And Danny says, no, they bring them in and out. I just want to know how Danny knows that other than power of plot convenience. <laughs> That's probably why he knows it. Did, did you guys notice how, how many prisoners there are? And there's three German guards. Watching them. That's it. Well, uh, I imagine the and, guard but, tower but these guys. guards. These guards actually are, are holding their guns, which is good. Much better than the guys up in the uh, towers. Maybe that's because the Russians are carrying axes and pitchforks and saws. You know, they could they could do they could do a lot of damage to these three soldiers very easily. I'm assuming these are are these they're not ex-Russian soldiers captured on the front. Are they sort of? enslaved um i wouldn't know sorry not enslaved like indentured workers that have come from russia or, or lithuania or something like that i don't they're not ex-military are they the russians i would think um, they are you would think that they would be but if you look at these they, they all look really old yeah you know, so they, they don't look like soldiers russia's i mean russia's world war ii strategy was we are going to throw everyone over 12 pulse at you and sooner or later, you will lose by attrition. So it's not too crazy, at least I don't think, to see a bunch of older guys as POWs if they're Russians. Plus, I imagine Russia just ages you very quickly. Mm. 
<laughs> meaning, meaning some of these people are younger than, than Henley. Yeah. <laughs> they just look older. It's true. Now, the guard on the left with his back to us in the shot of the, the assembled Russians, he's the same one that's in the cooler with um, hilts, isn't he? The one that locks him in every time, I think. Uh, yes, I believe Gangly so. Gangly guy, Cossacks. <laughs> I'm assuming. Sorry, I know so little... Um, embarrassingly about the Eastern Front, but uh, I suppose Stalin was just scrambling to defend the motherland. He chucked all the, the peasants in with sort of peasantry clothes, uniforms or anything. Yeah. <laughs> well, they did a great job with the wardrobe here by giving all these characters completely different types of, of, of jackets and hats. Um, right. There, there's, there's, there's one or two that seem as if they're in Russian uniforms, but most of them are not in what we would call classic Russian military uniforms. Based on what we can see here, maybe when we see them marching was it tomorrow, they can get a better better look at that. But I think here they they really don't. It's, right. It yeah, it looks more like it's just a hodgepodge of clothing versus any sort of standardized uniform or even anything approaching a standardized uniform. I also I think we and I might be reading too much into this, but that's kind of what happens when you do what we're doing when danny goes cigarettes you know i feel like that's just establishing a power dynamic between those two which will shift later in the movie where danny's hatching his plan and just willie instantly hands him over i think it's four cigarettes and i don't know if that's trying to establish the relationship where danny's you know, the more dominant of the two or what that's trying to do. That's definitely how I read that scene. Okay. I, I see that actually as, as they're, they're completely equals. They have such a, a close relationship that they share their, their cigarettes in order to get things. I, I, I don't think that, that one of them tries to, I, I've never seen it from the perspective that, uh, that one of them is trying to be more dominant over the other. I think they're, they're best friends and they're, they, they want to get out together, which, as we know, they stick together throughout the entire escape. So I yeah, think sometimes. this is an early, an early part of the movie just to try and establish that, okay, these two are really close. Okay? Yeah. And that's why they're both the Tunnel Kings. I mean, I, I had... Oh, yeah. Go ahead, John. No, I agree with you. Some days the cigarettes would be in uh, in Bronson's and sometimes in um, in John Lighton's pocket. Just depends. You wouldn't give an inferior access to your cigarette. I think they're very much on the same page. Makes me wonder how long they've no, sort of known each other for. Just the last few camps, or mm. again, uh, because because they're 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 only based on real people. You know, we can't say we can't say for for a fact of how long the two of them have been together. But what, one of the things I like here is is when uh, Bronson takes off his jacket, you can actually see that this. A sweater or shirt, however you want to refer to it, has gone through a lot. He's got, you know, he's got a few little rips in it. He's got, uh, you know, two places where he, he it's been patched up with with a red, uh, you know, with with cloth from a different garment. My my first thought when I saw the red was uh, I thought it was blood, and then mm-hmm. I you know I looked at it closely and you can tell that it's just uh, patchwork, right? Um, which which says which uh, you know as as we've we've discussed about the fact that that. Most of these character, most of these characters have one more that they're wearing day in day out. You know, it's it's a luxury that people nowadays, you know, where <laughs> we, you know, we change our clothes every day, take take showers once or twice a day, if not more. You know, depending on 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 uh, you know what you're doing like that. These these people 
are are in a prison camp where they don't have those luxuries, and they're they're still wearing the same shirt they've been wearing for the past three years. Who knows? Compare his jumper pullover to uh, to Hiltz's ever clean. Well, it gets dirty, but his um doesn't get dirty. Yeah. <laughs> Bronson suffered, but Hiltz is you know the Teflon prisoner. He's a jumper. <laughs> All right. Now, um, did either of you notice the number of people? walking into the barracks behind them. Yeah, As the two of them are talking, there are at least 18 uh, extras that walk into the barracks behind, behind them. And the door keeps opening and shutting. And it just, it's, it's just really funny watching. It, it, it looks like a parade of, 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 uh, of soldiers going in and out. Actually, just going Some in. No one comes shoes, out. Yeah. Yeah, no one, no well. one comes out. I guess maybe the white shoes is, is, uh, is, is something common. Maybe maybe it's part of some part of the military uh, uh, dress. Who knows? But actually, really funny. So everyone yeah. goes in, no one comes out. That's right. And like one one of them actually pushes the door open. For, no, uh, one of them closes the door, and someone runs up and grabs it and opens it. And another one tries to to keep it open. It's just just uh, funny watching the the way they do that. Um, but I think also what what the point that you made before, uh, Tom, about the you know, relationship between Willie and, and Danny. The fact that, that, that Danny gives Willie his jacket also says something. It's not, you're my underling, go and take care of this. It's like, I have an idea, help me out. Here's my jacket. Which, every piece of clothing that they have should be quite important to them. You know, they're not going to easily give them up. He conveys he conveys the plan pretty quickly, like in a few words. So, sort of suggesting maybe he goes, let's do what we did last time or something, you know. Exactly. Like last time, like last time, or something really quick. Well, speaking of that, and to build on that, it's all shortly after when Willie goes over to the other group and says, hey, me and Danny are blitzing, we need a distraction. And then, you know, we get that con movie, you know, that heist movie of, well, let's do X, you know, they have all these ridiculous names for different cons to run or something, so we get going... Sure thing. What do you need? Choir practice, Norlip Go, <laughs> Mesa Prisoner, Knuckles. And I love the fact they say have Knuckles is just fighting. Like, why do we need to specify, change the name of a brawl? Okay, uh, yeah, but, that's uh, definitely a bit of a cockney, like, Knuckles. You know, goes, Knuckles. Doesn't really sound very Aussie. It sounds like a, a East End or a, or a Shoreditch type expression. All Out yeah. Go. And All Out Go is another one, isn't it? And All Out Go. Yeah. The ones they mention in the movie are All Out Go, Mad Prisoner, Choir Practice, and Knuckles, as you said. Now, now in the original script, that's very different. They actually say four different things, and it's 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 not even it's it's not even Willie who goes and asks. It's some other named Maryvale, who I'm not sure who that is. But he the the first suggestion is Battle Royale. <laughs> okay. Second one is Mad Prisoner, which which links up. The third one is. The bus, the busker, the busker, and the fourth one is fisticuffs instead of instead, instead of, of asking for the uh, knuckles. I guess I guess uh, Sedgwick said, "Oh, I'm going to be Australian, so I'll well just use knuckles instead." <laughs> Even though, as you pointed it out, it's not necessarily an Australian thing. I mean, the meaning is clear to everyone who speaks English, but it's not something I've heard. If you want to yeah. say corny Australianism, you go, you a blue, you know, you want to have a blue or a rag hmm. or a nana or something. Well, again, they, they didn't do enough research, I guess. <laughs> do you guys think Bronson and, um, sorry, what's John Lighton's character called? Willie. Their hair's pretty long. Willie. A bit, bit more 60s than 40, 40s. Uh, 
Hey, well, John, uh, hey, John, Layton, John Layton was a was was a famous singer in the sixties, so. So he's not going to touch his due. He had to keep his due. (laughs) And Bronson did did have a proper haircut when he showed up in the morning. It's just so his hair does that after ten minutes after the haircut. (laughs) I love how I love how willing James Coburn is to you know put on this sham. Maybe he's done it actually for Willie and Danny before, or maybe he's used to it. But he's just so willing to do it. Well, as as we see tomorrow, he uses that to his advantage also. I imagine there's just no understanding of, yeah, we just do these things for each other. And if you don't, no one's going to help you get out next time. Right. Right. But also, they're all, they're all part of the ex-organization, so they're, they they all know what it's like and that they need to work together. You know, the ex-organization is not uh, every man for themselves. It's actually all for one and one for all. I mean, the, the book uh, describes it even better because it explains – you know uh, some of the choices of of who would who was going to be part of the 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 escape and who wasn't. Even though there were a lot of people, there, I think they they mentioned in the book that there were over six hundred people that helped out operations, but in the end, only two hundred and twenty uh, got got uh, slots to get out. So they they explained why some of them didn't get it, and mm. you know the the idea was is okay. You know we we have to look at the whole here, not just at the the individual. And so we're going to do all we can to help everyone else so that one day I'm going to be the one who's going to be able to get out also. Do you guys mind if I quote a bit from the novel? Because it's really interesting. In real life, um, there was many versions like the one we're about to see. Um, but in reality, this one was done not for the Russian you know, prisoner plan of sneaking into the Russian prisoners, but for actually what Steve McQueen is doing. And they've sort of conflated the two events up. Yeah. Do you mind if I give a small quote from the uh, the novel? Go ahead. Go for it. Very interesting. Yeah. I'll do it just a normal accent. Sorry. I won't <laughs> offend you again with my American. Uh... You know, okay. I, I wasn't offended. Tom, were you offended by that? No. I, I, I thought it was done really well. We're going to give you Cedric's uh, job next time. Great. All right, guys, I'll be quick. Bravest of all the other schemes was a brilliant idea of Tofta Nichols. They had a theory that halfway between the goo should be a blind spot, hidden from the sentries by the long line of thick coiled wire. If they could get to that spot across the lethal area from the warning wire, they could cut their way through to safety. If the theory was having chance of getting through the wire, if they were wrong, a probable bullet each. So Toft and Nichols put on four diversions. One prisoner yelled at a sentry to see the commandant. Two men staged a spectacular fight and one of them was knocked out while the sentries gaped at them. Another prisoner hailed the sentry in the third box and asked permission to get a ball that had been tossed over the warning wire. By the fourth, a prisoner was doused with a bucket of water in a prank while one sentry looked on and laughed. So there you can see that this diversion was actually used to help what Steve McQueen is about doing, about not the Danny going to the Russian prisoners. So yeah, I thought that was fascinating. This sort of conflated and mixed around two events to make it a bit more dramatic, I guess. Well, that, they they do that a lot. I mean, as 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 we know, because of the fact that all these uh, characters are amalgams of real people, so the the the, the scre- screenwriters did an amazing job taking all that and and giving us such a f- a fun and fascinating movie uh, using some of the the same elements, but also yeah. giving some enough. Totally you know, agree. Adding yeah. things in, so they they do that really well. Now, did 
I, I noticed something very interesting. When 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 Willie's walking over to, to Cedric and Haynes, he walks by a pool. There's a, there's a pool filled with water, and then there's two benches on the sides that have, I believe, each of them has uh, six or seven uh, buckets. And it makes you try and wonder what this is for, because it you know it's just it's it's not covered at all. So it's, it's got the German word on the buckets foyer, the fire buckets foyer. Right, so okay, that's a uh, that's your emergency response building catches fire system a pump would have been better than uh, than seven or eight buckets but yeah I'm, I'm assuming it's just a little small pond reservoir thing for um fire use in emergencies i guess right and you can also uh, we were talking before about the the russians you can actually see that they were in charge of the of cutting down the trees because right next to them in the long shot you can see the the trucks filled with the trees or the you know, parts they cut down. And, of course, it would be a bit weird if there was an Australian and he's not by a body of water, so it makes <laughs> sense why Cedric is there. Yeah, but what wildlife is trying to kill him? <laughs> I mean, isn't that the other half of being us? You're around water and some sort of critter needs to be able to kill you at a moment's notice? That's right, or if not that, just a mosquito. <laughs> and what's, what's with the fact that Cedric's hair is partially... Uh, protruding from his cap. Yeah, it's sort of like, it's um, like a... Pesci in Home Alone, isn't it? You know, where he gets torched off. Yeah, yeah seriously. But yeah, it's like a watch cap with front chunk missing. Weird. Yeah. Oh, well. Do either of you have anything else for this minute? Nope, I'm good here. John, good. can you come join us again tomorrow? With pleasure. Yes, please. You want to tell everyone where they can find you? Oh, yes, everyone, quickly, if you like Dirty Harry, check out Dirty Harry Minute at dirtyharryminute.com and all your podcasting shop places, marketplaces. <laughs> all right, well, we're checking out Dirty Harry Minute. Go ahead and rate and subscribe our, to our podcast on whatever podcatcher you use. Go ahead, if you want to get in touch with us, our email address is thegreatminute at gmail.com. Our Facebook group is The Cooler. Our Twitter is at GreatEscapeMXM, and our website is TheGreatEscapeMinute.com. Tally-ho. Tally-ho. Tally-ho.